John 14 is, is just an awesome, awesome book of the Bible. Um, and, you know, John 14, 6 is, is a powerful, you know, verse in itself. And there's another one we'll get to hopefully later that is one of my absolute favorites. I have a lot today. Um, if we run a little bit extra, is anyone going to be mad at me or, like, storm out? No? Okay. Just, just giving you a heads up in case you're doing this. I see people like doing that. Um, to get a little build up here, you know, we're, we're in a six-part series of seven. In the book of John, there's seven I am statements by uh, Jesus. Pastor Fred has uh, taken care of the, let's see, the bread of life, living water. I did the, the, sh- uh, the door. Pastor Fred then did the good shepherd and the resurrection and life. And I, this is a, I mean, this is not a, it's a, it's a plug. I used to think that to have a great search service, you had to like be sweating and running around, and the music, and everyone's just hopping around, and people are laid out on the floor, and, and, and those are still great, but a lot of times anymore, I love messages that really get my mind stirred and thinking, and my spirit stirred, and I'm telling you, if you weren't here last week, or if you didn't get a chance, watch Pastor Fred's message last week. I'm telling you, it was fabulous. It was so good. There was so much meat in it, and if you didn't get a chance to catch it, I'm telling you, do yourself a favor. Go back and watch it. I still have notes from it that I'm still trying to work through. So, um, you know, I, I just really encourage you to do that. Um, so this week, it's I am the way, the truth, and the life. And to build up into this story, um, at the end of chapter 13, Jesus has just given a kind of a trifecta of bad news to the disciples. He has told them that one of them's going to betray him. And they're all kind of like, what? Like looking around at each other, you, you, me, what? Then he tells them he's leaving, and where I'm going, you can't come. So that breaks, the, like, what do you mean you're going someplace you can't come? Why? Why can't we go? Where, where are you going that we can't go? And Dan. Then he tells Peter, well, and you're going to deny me three times. So the mood and the atmosphere in the, in the, you know, in the room is just kind of went out. So we pick it up in the very beginning of John 14. If you want to start there with me, verse 1. Jesus now is saying, okay, you know, gave him all the bad news. Now I'm going to try to bring the, bring the atmosphere back up. So he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Now here comes Doubting Thomas saying, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I'm the way, truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And obviously that's going to be the core statement here today. Uh, Jesus is the way, the only way. But I want to talk, I want to, I want to really get some, some core words and some Greek things stirring in your, stirred in your spirit. Because the Greek language is beautiful. It's got some really deep definitions of some words, some really kind of insight into really getting to know the Bible and kind of what's being said. So I, want to, I want to just want to share a few key words from that section. So the first verse, we're going to talk about the heart. The cardia in the Greek. It's not just your physical heart. We're talking about your mind, your character, your inner self, your will, your intention, your center. 
And I love these quotes. These were all from my Dig Study Bible. It's the effective center of our being, the capacity of moral preference, and the desire, desire producer that makes us tick. I just love those three little quotes. So when it talks about your heart being troubled, this is like not just your you know, achy, breaky heart. We're talking about you know, your intentions, your will, your desire, your emotions, your feelings, all that stuff. He's basically saying your whole being, I want it to be not troubled. I want to bring some, some joy to the situation because I know your heart right now is troubled. All right, next slide, please. Believe. He told him in there, believe in the Father and believe in me also. Believe is have faith in, trust in, past. I am entrusted with. And this is also another quote out of there. The believe, the conviction and trust to which a man is impelled by a certain inner and higher prerogative and law of his soul. Let's face it, we all have certain core beliefs. Things that are way deep down in us that we believe in, we have faith in, we have trust in. And if someone comes along and tries to kind of wiggle you away from that, you're like, nah, this is like a concrete thing for me. I'm not wiggling. That's what this believe Jesus is saying. Believe in me. He's saying, no matter what the world does, no matter what comes around you, no matter what comes against you, no matter what the person whispering, saying, blah, blah, that your belief lies in me and the Father, and nothing's going to shake it. This is core belief. Okay, uh, next slide. And then obviously, now I, I apologize. I know that for some reason my PowerPoint and my laptop, the, the um, I guess it's an older version. So when I try to transfer it to a hard driver to here, the, it's getting all screwed up. So I'm going to try to work on that this week. So I apologize that probably some of these slides are going to be a little messed up. But I broke down the way, truth, and life. The way is hodos or hodos. I saw a couple different pronunciations. It's a road, a journey, a path by which one passes with whom all who seek to approach to God must enter into. So when you think of the way, it's obviously you know, pretty straightforward, a road, a journey. Um, truth, aletheia. Truth, but not really just spoken truth like, well, the sky is blue, but truth of idea, reality, sincerity, truth in the moral sphere, divine truth revealed to man, straightforwardness. Okay, so these are some divine truths, some biblical hard truths, okay? Not just uh, you're sitting in a chair or, you know, the, the sun is hot, okay? And then life is zoe. This is all through the Bible. It's both physical and spiritual, um, like particularly in the future existence. So we're talking about life now and life abundantly in the future. And Pastor Fred broke that down great last week, Cal. Your spiritual life kicks the moment you accept Jesus, you get saved, boom. You're into this new covenant, this eternal life, this blessed life. Um, so that's what this is really talking to. Okay, and we're going to break into those a little bit here uh, in a minute too. All right, so the first, the first thing he says, I'm the way. So we're going to start there. Now, in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, this is kind of one of those Bible verses that when you read it, you kind of just want to act like you didn't read it and skip past it. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, when you see, this is what blew me away yesterday a lot, um, is I just started to realize how many times when it says the way, 
and life and believe, it all ties back to the same John 14, 1 through 6. Like, there's no different definition. Sometimes these words, you know, you have different things. These all mean the same thing. So when it says Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, this way it's talking about, it's easy, that way that leads to destruction. But the way that leads to salvation and life is hard. Hmm, challenging word. I just want that to kind of be one of those things that, again, stirs in your mind as we're going through this message. How is Jesus the way? Like, let's, let's, let's kind of break this down a little bit. Next slide, please. How is Jesus the way? What's he the way to? I mean, the easiest thing to say is, well, he's the way to, to, to heaven. I mean, right? That's, that's what the core thing is. Well, he's the way to a lot of things. And I only stuck to four. I could have probably put about five slides worth, but he is the way to salvation. Now, I didn't put the verses, like, write the whole verses up there. Um, we can read a little bit together, but um, he's the way to salvation, which we just read in John 14, 6. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, pretty straightforward statement. That's not something you can sit there and argue, well, God, uh, can I go this way? No. Can I go, how about No. It's just like we, we've talked about the sheepfold and the good shepherd. There's one way in, one way out. You're not getting in the sheepfold by climbing through a back door or over the fence and through the gate, digging a tunnel underground. You're not doing it. There's one way in, one way out. That's Jesus. That's it. Acts 4.12 says, I should have had these marked, shouldn't I? And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Again, pretty straightforward. Jesus is the way to salvation. You're not good enough. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to deserve it. Jesus is the way. End of story. He's also the way to escape from temptation. One of my favorite verses for a long time, back when I was kind of worldly. Um, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to, may be able to endure it. If that's not a verse to stand on, because let's face it, we could show hands, but how many of us in here are faced with temptation? And it's hard. Man, it's easy to give in. It's easy to say, okay, i give in this time, and then next time I'll, I'll get it right. And, man, God, please, like, you take this thing away from me. And the truth of the matter is, there's always a way of escape. There's always a way. And I always try to get in people's mind to say, when temptation comes, because it's coming, he's not going to exclude you from the process. You got, immediately you got to hit your knees and start praying. I mean, like, some of us harder than others. Some people might be an easy, like, Lord, thank you, you took me away from that, and you get away. Other people, I mean, you might be crying tears because that thing is so real and so strong, and it's pulling on you, and it's pulling on you, and it's pulling on you. And you just think, I can't say no. I can't. But God promises. God's word won't let you down. God's word will not fail you get this out and just keep reading it, reading it, reading it. Tattoo it on your arm. Write it on your forearm. You feel that temptation. God, you're going to give me away. God, you're going to give me away. 
God, you got to give me a way. He's the way of righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. You're only redeemed with God because of what Jesus did. You're only righteous in God's eyes because of what Jesus did. That's the only way you're going to find that righteousness. Because, let's face it, our righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. But when we stand before him and say, Jesus, thank you for what you did. I believe in you, who you are, who, what you did, and your sacrifice, you're made whole. And God now sees you as a whole being. Not your sin, not your ugliness, not your shame, not your guilt. He sees you as he, as he created you. Righteous, whole, redeemed. And he is the way to the holy of holies. Now this one, we could spend a lot of time here, but in the Old Testament, at the temple it used to be set up where there was three, three sections. If you were just a just average Joe off the street, you could walk into the outer courts and do your thing. And then if you were a somebody, you know, you had a title and you were an elder, you could go into the, the holy place. But the holy of holies was designated for one person. That was the high priest. He's the only one that could go in there. And he better have his life straight going in there. Because if he went in there carrying any sin, he's going to be dead. He's going to fall over dead. That was, that's truth. They would tie a rope around him, his ankle. He'd go in, and if he, they didn't hear from him for a while. And if he didn't respond, they, they knew, whoops, they'd drag him out. Jesus became that high priest for us because we couldn't go in there. We weren't the high priest. You couldn't go in there. See, that, symbolically what we're saying now in the New Covenant is you couldn't go before the throne room of God. You couldn't go to the Holy of Holies. Now, Jesus said, I am your high priest. I am the sacrifice. I did all the, the work. You have a way now to come right to the throne room and present your request to God. And in Hebrews 10, 19-23, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Jesus is the way for you to get in front of the Father to say, I pray for whatever it is. That's the only way. You can't just walk up to God in your own, you know, and be like, well, God, I, no, 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 no. Like, let's, there's, the only way you can do that now, in Jesus' name, by what he did. So that's, that's what he's the way, that's how he's the way too. Now, <clears throat> the truth, this one is so broad. Like, you're thinking, what's truth? How do you define truth? How do you say, well, you know, because it takes you in so many different avenues. And I saw a couple different quotes, and I tried to merge them together into something big, and it came to very something really simple. Jesus is he in whom the truth is summed up and impersonated. He is the truth. What he is, who he is, is the truth. 
And he should be impersonated because he tells us to live our lives like him. Live how I live. Love how I love. If you see me do things, you should be doing them. I see the Father do them, I do them, you should be watching me and you do them. Pretty straightforward process. So the truth summed up in him. So anything you read about him, anything that he's done, that's who he is. That's what should be impersonating. Now, we're going to go kind of a couple different directions. One a little challenging, the other one, yeah, you'll see. Next slide. First thing is truth. John 8, 31, 32. Very, very popular uh, piece of scripture, too. A lot of people quote 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Okay, so we need to know what is truth. Jesus is truth. Well, how's it going to become truth? Well, it's a four-step process. He tells us right there. If you believe in me, step one, believe in him. Let's face it. If you're presented with something that you don't believe in, do you see it as truth? No. So if, if I say to you, like, uh, you know, yesterday I went out and played basketball and I made 75 straight three-pointers, you're going to be like, that ain't truth. You don't believe in that. You're like, no, don't believe it. So the first step is you have to say, you have to make a, a direct belief confession in your heart and mouth that says, I believe in you, Jesus, and who you are. Regardless of all this other stuff, my first step is I'm going to choose to believe in you. Then he says, continue in my word or remain in my word. What does that mean? Pretty straightforward, too. This Bible gives us all kinds of directions. Do this. Don't do this. Be this. Be that. Remain in it. That means study it. Follow it. If you believe in that, you're going to believe in this. And not choose and pick and, well, I'll, I'll believe that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about that. But oh, that's good. Eh, I don't like that part. That means remain in it. Study it. Let, it. let it teach you. Let it be your guide. And he says, and you will know the truth. How do you know it? Because it becomes this, it becomes part of your being. When you start reading this over and over again, and even though, like I said, like I said, back to temptation. If you find yourself falling into temptation time and time again, and all of a sudden you find that verse and say, I'm, I'm going to start standing on this verse. And maybe you read it one, one or two times, and then you still fall into temptation. And the next time you, you read it a couple more times, and all of a sudden you're like, no, wait a minute. I believe I do have the strength to overcome this. And then a couple more times, all of a sudden goes by, and all of a sudden you're easily saying no. That's knowing truth. That means this thing became real to you. It didn't just become words in a book. It became truth. It became life. Because I'm able to say, oh, wait. You mean when it says I can overcome temptation, I can really do it? That's truth. And then it says that you can comfort others when you've been comforted. So when all of a sudden you're faced in temptation, and this becomes real to you, and then now someone else you know says, man, I'm struggling with this. And you're like, hey, I struggle with that too. Let me show you something. See this word? I don't believe in that stuff. No, 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 listen, listen. I didn't believe it either. Try it. Just try it. And they might come back to you and say, it didn't work. Remain faithful. Keep trying it. It took me seven tries. It took me ten tries. It works. Will you just trust me? 
It's become so real in truth to you that now they can't shake your, your foundation. You just get to remind them, listen, I'm telling you it works. Believe in it and walk in it. It's truth. And then that truth does what? Sets you free. It's not going to set you free till you really believe it and that it's truth. A lot of times I think, and I'm guilty of this, maybe I, I don't think I'd be the only one, maybe I am, but I'd read this and go try to apply it one time and it didn't work and be like, see, that, that Bible doesn't work. That, It only works if you believe it. And if you believe it, you'll keep at it and you'll study it and you'll keep pushing, you'll keep pushing, you'll keep pushing and you'll seek out people that believe it. That's another thing too. You want to believe in something? Seek out people that believe in it already and talk to them. Don't go to somebody that doesn't read their Bible. What do you think about this? What do you think they're going to tell They're not going to, they're going to, all they're going to do is pull you right away from it. Does this thing really work? Pastor Fred, let me ask you, man, does this thing really work? Tell me how it really works. And I guarantee it, he can sit you down and go, well, in my life, I... Phil, does this thing really work? I mean, I see... I mean, I know a couple years ago, your life was a mess. Now you've got a house, kids, car, everything. So does it work? It works. It works. It works. But the only way that you're going to get free... Let's go through the steps. All right, now I'm going to talk. This is going to be a little challenging. But there's another set of truth I want to talk about. Next slide. John 4, 16 to 26. We know it says a story of the woman at the well. He said to her, go, call your husband. Of course, we know the build up here. He sat down and he, the disciples left. He's by himself. He knew this woman was coming. She comes, says, he says, go call your husband, come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. Let me stop right there. What did Jesus just do? What's that? He called out her sin. Did he not? He called out her sin. Now see, in today's world, we're told that's a no-no. We're told if you mention someone's sin, what are you doing? Judging. How dare you? Who do you think you are? What makes you think you can... Now, a couple things to notice here. He did it one-on-one. -on -one. He didn't do it with the disciples present. He didn't mock her. He didn't... Hey, he just simply said, you're right, you're caught up in this. He didn't put her down, he didn't condemn her, he didn't stay there. He didn't use this as a way to ridicule her, put her down, destroy her character. He simply just pointed out her sin. Now, her response, now I know we're talking about old times, but her response is really kind of, wow, wow. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. 
But now is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. Notice her response was, how dare you? Who do you think you are? Telling me my business. Because what she knew it was, truth. And unfortunately, we've come to a day and age where if you sit down and talk to somebody, you can't mention their sin. Or if we do, it's in this way. And if, and if we walk in that path, we've got to stop that too, Christians. It's okay to mention someone's sin. It's okay to mention that, hey, man, you're caught up in this. Yes, but Jesus didn't stay there. He didn't put her down and walk away and say, man, you are, get your life right before you want to come talk to me. And in this world, I think we've gotten to where we're so prideful that if someone just one-on-one wants to sit down and say, man, I know you're, you're caught up in this thing. I want to I help you. I want to get you, you know, connect to Jesus. I want to point some Bible verses out to you. We, we, we want to meet it with, well, you got sin in your life. I want to hear your business. You got, you, you're not perfect. I understand in this situation, she was talking to the perfect one. I get it. But... As we'll get to later, Jesus told us to do the things he did. And we're living in a world where all of a sudden sin isn't truth. We want to just act like it's not there. But look what happened because he was not afraid to talk about her sin. Next slide. Verse 28, so the woman left her water jar, went away into town, said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Jump to 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Next slide. Jesus, we think calling out someone's sins, judging, condemnation, Jesus used it as a springboard to evangelize and save souls. And I think we're in a day and age where if we would be willing to sit down and just talk about the sin, not hide from it, not be shameful, not act like it's not important, it can lead to so many breakthroughs. But the problem is, number one, is we have too many people that can't keep their mouth shut. Someone shares something with you from their heart or something they're struggling with, and we feel the need we've got to tell somebody. It's hard to trust people these days. So if you're a man or woman of God, and you're willing to to try to step forward and help somebody, you better be darn well prepared to keep your mouth shut. No matter what, from even, I don't, even from your best friend, your wife, husband, 
son, daughter, no matter, you have to be willing to say, I'm going to, because what Jesus didn't do, what we did, see, this is what we do in today's age. When the, when the disciples came back, he's there talking to the woman at the well. Because I, I skipped over that, but, you know, they come back and they're, what are you doing talking to her, Samaritan? In today's world, what would have happened is that woman would have walked off and Jesus would have went, man, this woman here, five husbands, she's a mess. Now, he wouldn't have said it maybe in a condemnation kind of way, but it would have been a gossipy way. That's what we do. We think sometimes we're helping somebody. We get like, man, he's really struggling with addiction again. Man, they're really back. I need to pray for him. That's great, but it also leads to maybe people talk, 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 and all of a sudden it gets, you know, people that they don't even know get, man, I heard you're struggling again. How do you know? Oh, because... And it's one thing if you, that people that really legitimately would sit down and intercede and pray for that person, but the problem is we eventually tell somebody that's not going to do that. And they're going to go around just destroying a person's character. Oh, they ain't with that hope home, like, like that church is going to do anything. They're back in addiction. And what does that do? Spreads. Here's what sin does. The truth still is sin still separates us from God. Isaiah 59.2, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away, will not listen anymore. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Pastor Fred nailed that last week too. Spiritual death. Doesn't mean you drop over dead when you sin. It's spiritual death. Separation from God. Spiritually dead. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Hebrews 10.26, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Jesus isn't going to come do something else. The Holy Spirit's doing His job. There's no more remedies coming. It's, it's done. So if you're like, well, I'm in grace, man, I can just keep going sinning because Jesus did... No, you're abusing the grace. 2 Peter 2.2. 2 Peter chapter 2 is a very challenging little book three too if you, you want to this week. Many will follow their sensuality and become of them and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. What that means just read the whole section. See the way of truth we tell what we're trying to get to people is you get your life right with Jesus, abide in his word, find truth, set you free. And the problem with the world now is that people think, all i got to do is, is just say, you know, like, oh, well, I believe in Jesus. Sure. But I still live however I want. Because you know why? God loves me. God loves me, so I can. He knows who I am. God loves me. Here's the problem. God loves everybody. Right? First of all, is everyone going to heaven guaranteed because God loves them? God's love is not getting anybody into heaven, really. If it was based on that, we'd all be going, and no questions asked. Wouldn't, we'd do whatever, wouldn't change anything. That's not the deciding factor. God's love isn't the deciding factor. It's how you respond to that love is the deciding factor. Are you going to say, okay, I, I accept the fact that I have a father that loves me, Send his son to die for me, therefore I'm willing to live how he asked me to live. Or 
Am I going to say, oh, well, I know that God loves me, so it doesn't matter what I do. It's not, that's not going to change. Because the Bible says, if you love him, you will obey his commandments. Your love going up is what determines your spiritual status. Because the more we just we see that, it's, it's just a blatant lie. Uh, you can't say that because God loves everybody. That's, that's true, but the fact that you're trying to wash over this by saying, oh, God loves everybody, that's not truth. That's not truth. Sin separates us from God. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. That's not what we're saying. There's a difference. Think, think of this as a parent. If you have a kid, if you're telling your son or daughter, hey, I, I'm asking you to do this, 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 this. And they go, okay. And you have one son that comes in, doing all his, helping you out, but he, he forgot to take the trash out. Next morning. Hey, did you take the trash out? Oh, man, I completely forgot. I'm so sorry. And you know he meant it. He, he just forgot. He got caught up. And you, you're rewarding them. Now, if that same son, let's say he's getting an allowance, you give him allowance, next week he's like, oh, I didn't take out the trash, and I didn't unload the dishwasher, and uh, I didn't feed the dog. I just didn't bother. You give him the same allowance, hmm, next week. I didn't do any of those three things. Uh, I didn't do my homework, and I didn't do this. Same allowance. What's going on there? His mindset is, I can do whatever I want. I don't, have to, I don't have to follow these rules. Dad still give me everything I want. That's how we're treating the gospel these days. I can do whatever I want because God loves me, and he'll just do everything I, you know, I can do however I want. And it's not truth. But we're not going to stay there. Notice we put the dots at the end. Sin still separates us from God. Next slide. But the good news is that the truth also brings us back to God. 1 John 1.9, if we confess, man, there's a hang-up word of 2020. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to just and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First word there, if, which means what? Decisions. That's on you. Doesn't say you have to or you're going to. If, it's on you. Confess. Man. I know there's a lot of us that are good at it, I'm sure, but those are some of us that probably struggle with that. Because, again, the mindset is, I don't really have to confess anything. I'm good because God loves me. But I think more and more we need to really get our hearts around that and saying, if we confess, he knows you did it anyway. But he's still asking you to get through the process of truth. Confess your sin, I'll forgive you and cleanse you. Romans 5.8, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for, the, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Acts 3, 19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And see, what we, going back to 2 Peter, go back one slide please, to 2 Peter. To get back to that, when many will follow sensuality because of them, the way the truth will be blasphemed. And see what happens a lot of times. Someone that's 
lukewarm. They come to church maybe here and there. Eh. They claim to know, they know enough to make themselves dangerous. They know enough Bible to make it dangerous for non-believers. And they're going after stuff and you're trying to get on fire and you're trying to be like, man, God's, man, God's asking me to do this. God's, man, I, I'm like on a missions trip and I really feel that I'm going to give like, I know it says tithe 10%. I'm, I feel like I need to give like 25% of my paycheck this week. And somebody that's just, in, man, why? Why do you do that stuff, man? You think God's going to reward you because you're going on a missions trip? You think God's going to reward you because you're giving 25%? Man, that, you, you don't need to do that. God loves you. You don't need to do all that. Man, that's just, that's, you're getting brainwashed, man. You're getting brainwashed. Man, they're, they're feeding you full of nonsense, blah, blah. And then the way of truth's getting blasphemed because they're thwarting the Holy Spirit's work. And because of their lusts, because you're seeing, all of a sudden you're seeing this guy, well, man, he goes to church and he knows a little bit of Bible, but, but he's going to the bars and he's hooking up with women and, oh, huh, is it okay? He's got a nice house, drives a nice car. Oh, am I missing out? Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I should be doing what he, because he seems to be being blessed. And this is what happens in the world. Because many follow their sensuality. That, that word sensuality is debauchery, like filth. Because they'll follow that, all of a sudden other people go, hmm, I've seen them in church a couple times. They must be a Christian. All right, jump forward two slides, please. Everywhere Jesus went, he brought life through miracles, signs, wonders, through teachings and encouragement, by shining a light in darkness, by defeating the works of the devil. This is the life we're talking about. Next slide. Now, I talked about this yesterday on Facebook, so if you already heard it, you're going to hear it again. Um, before I read this, this is Blind Bartimaeus. Um, we talk about Jesus being the life. We talk about it being kind of twofold. It's, it's physical now, it's spiritual, kind of more future. When Jesus says, I come to give you life, it encompasses your whole being, healing, forgiveness, wholeness, joy, peace, love, patience, Endurance, long suffering, gentleness, kind, you know, all those fruits and joys should be coming forth in your life. That's what Jesus is saying when I'm, I'm the life. You should have access to all these things. These should all be prevalent in your life. I'm providing that. You should walk in it. And I think too often we get so wrapped up in our feelings, emotions, and things in our surroundings that we don't, we don't grasp that concept because all we see is tunnel vision. We get locked in on our problems, and Jesus is outside of that going, I'm out here offering you life. I mean, get your mind off the problems. Get your, get your focus over here. So while I brought this story up with Brian, Blind Bartimaeus, let's just read it first. And they came to Jericho. This is Jesus all the disciples. And he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. We know he's blind and a beggar, so... He could have been blind from birth. He could have been something happened to him in his life, lost his vision. And he's a beggar, so we know he doesn't have much or doesn't have anything. Um, again, that could be since birth. It could be he lost it all somewhere along the line. And when he heard that it was Jesus, 
he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said, go your way, your faith's made you well. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And why I have that story up is because I just feel like we're in a day and age where we've become so comfortable in our problems, comfortable in our struggles, comfortable in our conflicts. We come in here on Sunday, and please hear me with my heart here. Please don't, don't take We come in here Sunday because it's the right thing to do. It feels good. and It's what you do on Sunday. You go to church. But I feel like we're missing this. Bartimaeus had an appointment with Jesus that day. He had an appointment with destiny. He had an appointment at appointed time to have an encounter that changed his life forever. And he knew it. He recognized it. He said, gosh, it's Jesus coming through. I know what he can do. Jesus. And they're like, shh, you. Jesus. Hey, man, keep it down. Jesus! Come. What do you want? I want to see. You got it. And I feel like we're not in that, we need to be in that situation. Do you come here Sunday morning expecting a change? Do you ever come in the door Sunday morning saying, today's my day that something's going to break? Do you ever come in here thinking, man, I, I need this, and I'm going Sunday morning full expectation. I'm encountering Jesus today. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what anybody around me tells me to shut up or rebuke or, sh hey, man, what are you, why are you going to the altar? Why are you going up there? Man, you don't need to go up there. I to, uh, I'm going to get prayed over. I'm going to get somebody praying in agreement with me. I'm, I'm doing whatever it takes. I'm getting my life's changing. We're missing that. We're always in hope. We're always in hope, which means it's always in front of me. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that day'll come. I'm hoping that day'll come. I'm hoping that day'll come. Hope's amazing. But hope also signifies that it's not there yet. And eventually you have to get to a point where you're saying, I've had enough. Today's my day. And I'm reaching out for what Jesus has for me and saying, I'm grasping this thing. And I don't care if the person next to me in the pew thinks, why are you getting up going to the altar and getting prayed for? I don't care what they think. Because they got their own mess. And if they're sitting there judging you or, or kind of going, well, no, let's, let me look at their Facebook page. What's going on with them? That's, that's them. That's on them. And if you're letting that be your dominant thought, guess what? You're not focused on what Jesus has for you and what He wants to do in your life. And I, I just... His faith made him well. His faith made him well because he said, that's Jesus. I believe. I know the truth. I'm going to be made well. I'm going to get set free. And I don't care what anybody says to me. And that's where we need to be more. 
the church, not the building, the church needs to rise up. People's lives should be changing. Where Jesus went, he changed lives. Everywhere he went, something changed. And that, that brings me to this. I'm going to end there. I'm going to end it right here. John, we jump forward in John 14. Truly, truly, if you were here with me a few weeks ago, what's that, what's that saying? That's, this is vitally important. Pay attention. Truly, truly. I say to you, whoever believes, same word, in me, will also do the works I do. Do you believe in Jesus? Anybody? Four people. Well, we've got a lot of salvations today. Man. Whoever believes, guess who that is? It doesn't say, whoever believes, or, or Pastor Fred will also do the works. That's not what it says. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. What works did Jesus do? Oh, man. We're rolling. Now, how many of you want to take that task on? Because Jesus said to do it. Jesus said you could do it. And here's the best part. I'm going to mess you up here, here. Greater works than he will do. Shame in him again. What's, what's, what's greater than all those things? Let me ask a question. You can't, you can't answer this. You can't answer is there, is there anything that you can do that Jesus can't do? Yes, there is. You can take someone to salvation. Jesus couldn't do that. Why? He didn't, he didn't complete the journey yet. He didn't die going to the ground and resurrect. He couldn't offer salvation truly to somebody. You can. So when he says you can do greater works, what's greater? Like, you think, oh, I can give someone their eyesight back. That's great. But they're still going to die. You can get someone up out of a wheelchair. Awesome. They're still going to die. The greater works means you can give someone eternal life. Where there's no death, no suffering. No tears, no sadness. That's the power you have to offer somebody. So Jesus said, great, go do the works I do, man. Go lay hands on people, heal, you know, cast a demon out. Give someone their eyesight back. Make someone walk again. But greater things you'll do. Because you'll say, I know the way to heaven. I know the way out of your bondage. I know the way out of your sin. I know the way to get you free. And that's what I can offer you. And we see a perfect example of this you know, in Acts Peter and John. You know, the, the beggars coming, hey man, I, you know, come on. I ain't got no money. I got something better. I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's never forget that simple, basic truth. It's kind of become Christianese, but it's still very true. When you're praying and things, it's in Jesus' name. Blind eyes come open, in Jesus' name. 
because it's not you. Let's remember that. It's not us. It's not, you know. And I think there's a fine line, too. The devil will try to get in there. You know, you, you see somebody's blind eyes come open, and all of a sudden you go, oh, I can do this? Oh. I, eyes come open. Jay says it. Eyes ain't coming open. <laughs> if you're not fully sub- submitted to the Holy Spirit, nothing's going to happen. So I'm going to close with saying this. I'm, I'm just... I just... I'm tired of living in a, in a world where we just don't see the things we should be seeing. We should be living this thing. And number one, it's fear, obviously. I mean, it's well known. It's, 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 it's very, it's common. I mean, I'm not even going to try to, but, you know, if I see a need, and I go, oh, I'm going to go meet that need. Let's see, somebody needs healed. You know, I'm just going to, Autumn, let's just say you're in a cast. And, I, and I'm over here and I go, oh, I see a need. Okay, the Bible says I should go and do these. The Bible says, okay, I'm going to go pray in Jesus' name over here. You can't do that. You don't have the power to do that. No, the Bible says I should be doing these things. Yeah, but what if she doesn't? What if there's no healing? But yeah, but the Bible... And here's what we need to do. And they, we, we went to see an evangelist Friday night, and he said it to a T perfectly. Your mind's got to get out of your own mess and say it's not you. It's God working through you. If you see the need, if your eyes lock in on the need, guess what? There's a reason your eyes locked in on the need. There's a reason you saw the need. It's not by chance. This stuff doesn't happen coincidentally. If you saw it with your eyes and you felt that little tug, guess what? That's the Holy Spirit reminding you that you're supposed to be doing the works that Jesus did. But I, I can be just kind of transparent. We, 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 me and my couple roommates in Ohio decided, once we decided, we just said, we're going to start going out and finding needs, praying for people. And one of the best things we did was just, we just walked to people and said, hey, is there anything we can pray for? Even if we didn't see a need, just, hey, maybe we pray for? And I just remember one of the most powerful ones one night. We're at Rooster's, which is a restaurant. It's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's, I, it's funny I say this. It's Hooters without the trash. It's same kind of style, same style of food, but the girls are dressed. I mean, it's, you know, like... I've seen pictures. Um, <laughs> my wife's told me about it. Um, just <laughs> so we're at Hooters, and it's packed. I mean, every table, there's weight. We get our table, and we have a server, and she's just bubbly and full of joy, and she's just, you know, what's up, guy? Who did blah, blah, and, you know, like, everything's going great. And one roommate uh, didn't, even, didn't even say anything to us. All of a sudden, she came back, and he said, hey, uh, ask you is there anything we pray for you for and she like I mean froze she was like are you serious he's like yeah 
Because at this point, like, you know, we're, we're just joking around. I think we were watching a game of some kind. And, all, and like, it just kind of caught her. She was like, um, can, can, I, can I talk to you guys in a little bit? We're like, yeah. And, of course, she's just running around like a, you know. And so finally it started to die down, and she comes over, and she sits down. And she's almost, like, choked up, right? And she said, this is going back about, I don't know, four or five years ago. And she said, my fiancé is, is a cop. And she said, every time he leaves the house right now, I get such fear that something's going to happen to him. And she's like, I just don't know what to do. She's like, I almost want to tell him, I don't want him to do this anymore. Like, I'm so scared. And he's like such a, and she just was pouring out how much he meant to her and how great a guy he was. And he, he sacrifices and he does all this and he's just such a giver. And she's like, I just can't imagine my life without him. And we just prayed over her and just said, we're going to pray protection around him. That he's going to be covered and he's going to come home every night. He's not going to, you know. And she broke. I mean, she cried and cried and she kept saying, I'm going to check my tables. I don't want to look like this, but I'm going to check my tables. And she kept coming back. And I was like, man, you'd have never thought with her there was anything wrong. I mean, she was so bubbly and full of joy. But underneath all that was this anxiety, fear, just gripping her. And I say that to say that, you know, it's, it's easy to say, oh, I see a cast. I know that's a need. But there's needs to your left and right, front and back all the time. And I, I just want to encourage us twofold. When you approach, I think we need to do a little more just just get together with people. One, I mean, especially you know, we've been we've been separated. We've been, you know, um, this whole 2020. We've been isolated, and people are going through all kinds of stuff. And I think we need to, as we're coming out of this, like start to get with people one on one and just share things, share your struggles, share your fears, share your doubts, share your whatever it is. And if you're on the other end of it, be a be a listener, be a good steward of time, be a servant that says, man, I, I want to help you. I want to pray over you. I want to buy you lunch, you know. Um, you know, if, if someone's really been through it, you know, buy them, I mean, just get them a nice gift. I mean, I know sometimes you say that's, that's you know, shallow, but, like, sometimes somebody just needs a nice new, you know, something. I don't know. I just think we need to do more just simple acts of just one-on-one confessing struggles, fears, sin. But then on the other end, we've got to be willing to trust, keep your mouth shut, pray, believe, and get before God and just say, listen, we're going to pray that this thing's going to turn around and let's get this thing moving. Let's get your life back to where it should be. Um, someone in this today, are you guys coming back up? Yep. I want to encourage today, people, we all have some needs. We come in here every week. I know there's people that come in here every week just burdened, struggling, but you stay in your seat because you think, I don't want people to know I'm struggling. I don't want people looking at me. Why am I going to the altar? And I get it. I've been there. But the Bible also says that we're supposed to be the ones doing greater works and doing these things. So not only do I want to encourage you today to, to, meet and to, to get prayed with, I want to encourage you to pray with somebody. 
let's partner up today. Let's find somebody that's, you know, if you're, especially, let's, let's make it this way. If, you're, if you really find yourself, I'm struggling. I, I need prayed for. I want to have my Bartimaeus moment today. I want to, whatever it is, come find somebody that you know is a, a prayer warrior that will, that will pray with you, hold your hand, put their hand, oil on you, whatever, and pray with you. And if you want to confess something, that's your business. And, and get this thing prayed over. If you're a prayer warrior, get, just go up to somebody and say, hey man, I want to pray with you today. Doesn't mean you have to share anything. I just want to pray over you today. There's oil up here. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to call anybody out because normally you'd sit here and say, well, I want this person up here praying with someone. You know who you are. You know your needs. So I'm asking right now, find a person or a couple people. Let's pray over each other today. Let's believe. Let's have a Bartimaeus moment in someone's life today. Someone gets set free. Someone gets healed. Someone spiritually changed. If you don't, if you're not walking in this thing, if you're like, I don't know Jesus, I, I don't know the way, I don't really don't know if I'm on the right path. Please come find me or Fred. I will say that, you know, like I we want to lead you in salvation. It doesn't have to be Fred Ryan. But I'm saying like. Don't leave here if you're like, I don't even know if I'm on the way. Please don't. Please don't.